Welcome to Gear Pulse, the official American Musical Supply podcast. All right, thanks for tuning in to episode four of Gear Pulse. I am Brent. With me, as always, is Ryan. What's up? How's it going, man? Good. Right on. Today, we have a really tight episode, if I may say. Um, first, we wanted to uh, just kind of go over some questions. Uh, we have a question from one of our esteemed listeners by the name of Jimmy. Thanks for writing in. We also wanted to kind of dive into the the drum world, if you will. Uh, we know a lot of our listeners out there are drummers and uh Ryan being a drummer here is is you know he he's kind of our resident expert. So uh we'll, <laughs> if you we'll, could call me that. <laughs> we'll kind of pick his brain at that um with our drum extravaganza. So first we'll cover the question from Jimmy. Jimmy writes in saying I've been playing guitar now for almost 50 years and still don't really know the sequence of to put my guitar pedals in. And uh, he wants to get the most out of his p- pedals and get the, you know, get the full potential out of them. So what he was wondering is uh, if we could kind of, kind of point him in the right direction. So he gives us a list of pedals that he's using currently, mm-hmm. um, his main ones. And so far, you know, he's doing a pretty good job, I have to say. Um, he, he's basically running an Ibanez Weeping Demon wah pedal, an Ibanez TS-808 Tube Screamer, which is one of my favorites. Um, as well as an Ibanez T-Series Stereo Chorus in that order, uh, which is really pretty standard. I mean, that that's kind of the order that uh, I, I would run them in myself, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the wah pedal first, right. followed by your overdrive flash distortion, um, and then all your modulation stuff. Right. Um, the only thing that I would probably recommend is... Um, you know, if if your amp has an effects loop, I might run like the stereo chorus or any other modulation effects you're running delays or something like that in the effects loop, thus bypassing the preamp. It might uh, might give you an overall you know cleaner, richer tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean that that's pretty solid. So you know, I think you're on the right track there. Yeah, for sure. I mean. You know, a- anybody will argue there's no right or wrong way to do it, really. I mean, you could do it totally backwards if you wanted to. You're just going to get, you know, say you go into the chorus first, then you're basically using the chorus pedals preamp first, and then you're going to go maybe go into the Weeping Demon while you're you're just going to, like, you're going to be changing the tone a bit, you know, right. because you're, you're just putting a different, uh, kind of a different spin on your straight-up guitar sound in a different spot. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've tried switching them around and stuff, and that's, you know, I'm sure why you've came up with your, your signal path the way it is, and, and, you know, I would have to agree. And uh, you also list a, a second rig that you use, and, uh, you know, some of us wish we could have a second rig, but, uh, yeah, the second rig that you list, um, you run a Morley Wah slash volume pedal into a Vox Tone Lab LE. Mm-hmm. which um, is also a pretty solid lineup, I would have to say. Um, I'm curious, like, uh, even for the other one, um, I wish you would have put what amp he's going into. Yeah, so I mean, that... know kind of what we're working with as far as the amp's straight-up tone. 
Right, right, exactly. Especially for this next part of the question. Sorry, I jumped ahead there a little bit. Dude, come on now. So, uh, yeah, you know, as far as the setup with, with, a, with a multi-effects pedal board, you know, the Morley Wah slash volume pedal ahead of it is, is really the way to go there as well. Um, and, and you also list here, um, you say, by the way, any help with the Vox Tone Lab LE would be greatly appreciated because of the stock factory settings suck. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of personal preference, really. Um, it depends on what you're going for. And it also, uh, like I said before, it depends a lot on the amp you're going into. Exactly. And the second part of your question, uh, you ask whether you should use a compressor in your setup and uh, how you explain that uh, you use compressors on your vocals and those, you know, seem to work fine. Um, this, you know, that's, I think we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. um, but that's, uh, you know, it, it works for certain situations and not for others. And it kind of depends on what style of music you're playing right. now and how you set it up exactly like and now we covered you, in the last one right and and you explained that you do a lot of you know acdc jethro toll kind of stuff and uh which is cool um and and i, I think you know I, as far as like the the acdc angus young type setup i know he's uh a pretty big uh jtm 45 plexi fan so uh you know and he goes usually straight into the amp um, in fact, I was reading some boards where they were saying it was a sin to put pedals in front of your plexi, mm-hmm. um, which I might have to agree. But uh, so it it really depends on the song. But if if it's more of a polished, you know, rounded song where you need to punch out for the solos and that kind of thing, might throw it in there. You know, it just it just depends. I you know you might want to try it. And with that uh, with that Vox Tone Lab LE, you could definitely dial one into the signal chain and just try it out you know mm-hmm. um, but as far as tweaking the tone lab le to get the sounds from you know your angus young's or your you know jethro tall or something like that um it, it it's really you really have to play around with um the amp models i would say that's kind of the key you right. know to to kind of dial in your sustain <laughs> and and your gain um and and play around with it until what you you know you get what you want since you know those guys tend to not use a whole crazy effects type break, but yeah, I I for the L, uh, the Tone Lab LE, I would say find something, find a preset that's pretty close to the sound, you know, as far as like some person's setup, what they use, you know, I don't know. Somebody says, oh, they use a fifty one fifty, you know. Chances are you probably want to find a preset on there and then kind of tweak it, because again, it's you know the amp you're plugging that thing into is going to play a pretty big part in just the overall sound of it you know i mean Mm -hmm. put on your headphones and listen to the actual model listen to it with its cabinet model and its head model and everything probably sounds pretty close to it then you plug it into another amp and it might sound totally different yeah and and they do get kind of clever with some of the names it might be like a 5149 or something like that 60 whatever yeah yeah 6202 right (laughs) right exactly so yeah i mean Really, all we can say is 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 play around with um, with the amp modeling settings. I think that's kind of going to be your your key there. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, we're we are going to move on to our drum stravaganza. Drum stravaganza. Yes, yes. So first, what we wanted to get into is is drum 
recording, drum miking techniques. And I know, you know, when you're recording, when you're in the studio, whether it's a home studio or something, drums tend to be one of the biggest pains out there. You know, first you got to find the room, then you got to make sure it's it sounds decent. You know, um, it's a big undertaking. Seriously, I it mean, is. It is. I always think of it like, I mean, to me, it's really fun. Yeah, but you know. Some people working, they're just like, okay, got to do some drums again, you know? Right, Because it's right. pretty involved. I mean, there's there's numerous ways to set them up, but for the most part, if, if you're going for a really tight drum sound where everything is easily differentiated from the other instrument, uh, you're using a lot of mics, and therefore the setup time is right substantially longer. Exactly. So once you get your room down, we won't go too much into that, but once you get your room down, you know, whether you want a dead room or a brighter room, after that, it kind of gets into um, choosing your mics and your mic placement. I mean, that's going to be a, a big um, resulting factor in how your drums are going to end up sounding in the mix. You know, Here's a question for you, Brent. This might sure. stimulate some other questions coming in over the email. Um, what about placement of the kit in the room? Yeah, I mean, that, that totally depends on the room, really. Mm-hmm. You know, um, To me, if, if it's a larger room, um, you know, where... You actually have room to walk around the kit, um, and you know it, it's a brighter room, meaning that the the walls are wood or or something like that. Hopefully a finished not finished wall, not like knotty pine or exactly. something. Exactly. Hopefully not well, concrete. Oh but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> cold. Yeah, exactly. But uh, if if I'm wanting an open sound, I usually you know go kind of towards the middle of the room. If I'm wanting a, a closed kind of tighter sound. Um, I, I usually move it towards the wall or towards the corner. It, it really depends on, you know, room to room. But, uh, yeah, I, I would play around with that as well. Another thing, too, especially when, since we're talking about that, and it was me, I, I brought it up at kind of a speed bump and where we were going with everything. But um, you can tell a lot of where you want to put it just by going around the room and kind of making percussive sounds with your mouth and just clapping, clapping your hands yeah, and clapping snapping works. your fingers and whatnot kind of helps you gauge what good spots are, what really weird and potentially troublesome spots are. Exactly. With a crazy fast slap back that sounds all tinatic. Just make sure nobody's home because you might look like an idiot, but uh, yeah. it's all right. You know. Your neighbors, you know, if you're not well soundproof, they'll be looking <laughs> out the windows going, what the? Exactly. So as, as far as mics to use, um, th- this ranges, you know, and it depends on what kind of flavor you want your drums. Um for the most part, I tend to like to use uh, dynamic mics um, pretty much for everything except for overheads, you know. And it depends on the drummer that you're using, too. Sometimes right. if you are if you got a, a crazy hitter, you don't want to put your best condenser on that snare, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, or that and the... Not really on the snare, I mean, but the on the mic flavor-wise, a dynamic is a lot more of a kind of natural and organic sound, whereas, you know, not not saying condensers are unnatural sounding, but they have, like... They don't have the same high end, you know? I mean, some of them sound really natural. Some of them are kind of shrill, and you can really tell that you're using a condenser. Exactly. So, I mean, for my personal setup, I tend to like to use, um, you know, the 57 on the snare is classic. You know, some people also like the the Beta 57, which is also pretty cool. Um, and then as far as toms, it's, it's cool to me to have all toms with the same mic, you know what I mean? Then you get that, the difference is in the tom and the shell, you know, not, uh, not the mics. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for me, my personal favorite is, uh, you know, the Sennheiser 421, the MD 421s are, are awesome. Uh, a little bit pricey, uh, for, you know, a lot of 
home studio stuff, but um, there's also other mics out there from uh, from Audix or Samson, um, you know, different companies like that also make pretty solid mics for that as well. Um, as far as a kick drum mic, oh man, this <laughs> you go to any forum and just search kick drum mic and you'll find people just going back and forth about which ones are the best, you know, the Shures, the AKGs or, you know, whatever. Personally, my favorite, can't go wrong with Audix D6. I mean, that's uh, that's a tried and true one for me. Um, you know, it works really well. You put it in there close to the shell, point it at the beater. You get that uh, punch and the boom, you know, the click boom. Click boom. It's true, but it's like so factory sloped, factory curved, you know. It's like mm-hmm. the D112 is a little more of a natural sounding microphone. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, the AKG D112. Yeah. And then, um, you know, there's other options too, you know. Mm-hmm. EV makes a good one too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I would say it's always between the Audix, the Audix and the D112. Yep. Can't go wrong. Pretty solid. Um, and as far as overheads, um, you know, this, this ranges a lot. Personally, I use uh, pencil condensers um, that, that work pretty well for me, um, either in, a, in an XY kind of bloom pattern or um, spaced apart, you know, it just it just depends on how you like to mix and, and where you're going to pan those guys. Um, also on um, the hi hats and and sometimes on the ride, I like to use pencil condensers as well. Um, those tend to give you know obviously they give you a little bit brighter top end, um, a little bit a little bit more sizzle. So mm-hmm. for yeah, sure. it just it just depends on you know what kind of sound you're going for there. Uh, as far as placement. Of the mics on the drums, it's it's also a lot of mm, it, it's a lot of personal preference. You got to play around with it. But um, what I like to do is is run it about you know inch inch and a half off the off the rim, pointed in you know about halfway between the beady, the the beater point and the rim. So um, some somewhere in that range as far as on on the drums itself. Um, as far as the kick drum, I think we went over it a little bit, um, kind of in the shell, preferably pointed towards the beater, you know, closer to the shell. That way you get a little bit more of the, the resonance as well as the slap. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, otherwise, too, you know, I mean, that's going to give you a really kind of a punchy kicking sound, whereas, you know, if you're rocking it like kind of jazz style, you know, your kick's tighter, and it's going to be quite a bit boomier. And a lot of those guys, I don't see a lot of ports in uh, resonant heads on snare snare kits. You know, unless it's kind of one of them cocktail kits, a real small 16-inch, you know, kind of thing going on. But mm-hmm. anyway, in that case, I would put it on the outside for sure. Exactly. And, and as far as also miking up the kick, a lot of people like to use two mics, two, sometimes even three mics. Um, what I've seen works really well and what I've, I've used personally, um, along with your, with your kick drum mic inside of the kick drum, a lot of times the people like to put another mic on the outside of the kick drum, kind of towards the shell. Um, something that's been really popular and what I've found to be really, you know, give you that really big bottom end, you know, the kind of that sub bass, um, is, is a, is a mic from Yamaha, if you want to call it that. It's it's the sub kick. It's the SKR M100. 
um, which is on AMS as well. It looks like a drum shell, and it actually has a 6.5-inch speaker wired as a microphone. So it only picks up the really, really low frequency vibrations. Yep. Um, but you mix that underneath your, your fundamental mic, your main mic, and oh man, it's, it's money right there. So definitely look into that as well. Um, but you know, we, we've been going over, you know, mic placement on, a, on, you know, individual miking techniques, you know, as far as miking each drum itself. Um, you can definitely go more minimalist if you want to. You know, as far as like a lot of people like a three mic setup where you just have two overheads and then your kick. Right. Um, and that can be done with um, dynamics or condensers, really. You know, right. I mean, I would I'd still use personally, I'd still use a dynamic mic in the kick, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, for the primary mic anyway. Exactly. But in this case, there's only three. So use something like that, a dynamic in the kick. And then if you want like kind of a, a mellower, not so bright sound you could use you know like uh just a pair of 57s over the top even yeah exactly and, and it doesn't one of th- sound bad one of the main reasons people do this is that with with fewer mics you get few you know less phase interruption between the mics you know um by that i mean um the bleed from one mic to another you know you get a little bit of of time shift you know, from the sound, the time the sound hits the the main mic to the time the sound hits a secondary mic off to the side, um, and and you know, in that case, what larger studios do more, you know, um, I don't want to say more advanced home studios, um, they use something called a phase alignment tool. Now, uh, AMS carries one from Radial, which is awesome. Uh, it's the Radial Phase Active Phase Control Unit. Uh, basically, it allows you to run two signals into the unit um, from multiple mics and uh, basically allows you to sh- slightly time align or slightly align the phase between the two mics so they are lined up, which is which is really cool. You know, this it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but once you have everything phase aligned or as close as you can, um, it just really makes the drums pop, especially in a mix, um, a heavier mix. Um, so that's, that's something that I would definitely look into is, is a phase alignment to a lot of companies make them out there. Um, I know, you know, I think galaxy makes one, you know, like the radial that we said, um, a couple other companies make them as well, but, uh, something like that. If, if your drums aren't quite there and you're using a lot of mics in the setup, check out the phase alignment tools. And yeah, the unfortunate part about that is just that, you know, in some cases you may need a few of them because you can only align you know, two parallel signals, basically. Yeah, ex- yeah, and it, you know, it just depends on your setup there. But, uh, and and you can do it, you know, in post, too. I think there's some software plugins that you can do it in post as well. But uh, what you need is a good oscilloscope right from the start, yeah. and you just, you track everything exactly. already lined up. Kicking it old school. <laughs> exactly. Right on. Well, you know, I hope that kind of uh, helps people along when they're when they're picking out mics and they're uh, you know getting ready to track drums if they're getting ready to take on this daunting undertaking. Yeah, so dive dive in head first and go swimming in the soup, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, we also wanted to cover, you know, for the people that don't really want to go that deep or don't have the room to set up a drum mm-hmm. kit. Sometimes, you know, you want to like but you, me. But you want to have good drum sounds. 
Um, another option is also, you know, Ryan's going to hate me, but your drum machines are... are uh, no, I don't hate you. Okay. <laughs> drum machines are fun to play with, you know. I still have more fun playing it myself. Well, yeah, but, you know, some people, you know, it works well for them. Um, you know, drum machines are, are, are a popular choice, and, uh, you know, AMS carries a wide variety of them. Um, and basically, these allow, you know, obviously they have internal drum sounds, um, and you can sequence those on board. Uh, most of them have a MIDI uh, port on it, so you can run it out and to an external sequencer, whether that be your DAW, like, uh, you know, Pro Tools or Cubase or Cakewalk or something like that. Um, so that, that gives you, you know, good drum sounds right off the bat. You can line it up. You can, uh, add your own swing. So it doesn't feel so, uh, robotic. Mechanical. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Sorry. some, some of the drum machines I might look at, um, I know Elisa's just came out with one not too long ago, the SR18. Um, that's really cool. Akai came out with their XR20, which is also pretty cool. Those also have like, uh, both those, I believe, have bass sounds and uh, mult, you know, many different drum kits associated with those. Um, those are especially good for the kind of um, the sort of one-man band type guys. Mm -hmm. We covered that a little bit in the past, but, mm -hmm. you know, the guys will they'll, they'll program out all their bass lines and all the drums and all the changes. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of those guys are pretty good at it, too, you know. They, I mean, once you know one of them, you pretty much kind of know them all. Right, yeah, I, mean, I think there are a lot of you know very similar, yeah. whether they're step sequencing or real time sequencing right. or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so you know those are those are two that I would check out. Also, Zoom has one called their RT two twenty three that's been really popular. It's been around for a while, and of course the iconic Alesis SR sixteen. You know, right. solid, can't go wrong. Little bit of the older style, but uh, if you're looking for that electronic type sound, it's hard to go wrong with that. Um, now another avenue that personally I use quite a bit is, is your, um, soft synths is your, is your drum soft synths, whether that be, um, you know, soft synths from FX expansion, um, like their, uh, BFD two drum instrument. Um, I believe tune track has their superior drum kits superior out there. Superior drummer. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think Digi makes one called the strike virtual drum instrument, which is also pretty cool. Um, now these run inside of your DAW, whether, you know, as a plugin, whether that be an RTAS or a VST or, you know, um, what, whatever, you know, DAW you're using, but, uh, these are cool because they use, you know, they allow you to sequence, not only sequence your drums, but also tweak them. A lot of them use different miking techniques to record the sounds to begin with that allows you to, uh, move the mics around in the room, choose different rooms to, to you know, play them in. Right. You can't see my finger quotes. Yeah, play your them quotes, in. quote unquote. Exactly. So, I mean, and a lot of these sound awesome, you know, as, as far as uh, drum sounds that you, you would hear on a professional recording, a lot yeah. of these are actually recorded in the same studios that, you know, these major albums are recorded on. I think... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, some of them, I think, I forget which one it was, but I think some of them, like, one of them records in um, Abbey Road, I think. BFD. BFD recorded in Abbey Road, which is, you know, obviously one of the most famous studios in the world. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely an option. If you don't have a drummer, you don't have a drum room, or, you know, you don't have the mic set up, definitely something to check out there. Bust out your keyboard or your electronic drum kit. 
if you're doing it with a keyboard, you better be a really good finger drummer. But otherwise, yeah, highly recommend um, an electronic drum kit mm-hmm. so you can just play them all out. Because, man, I mean, you'd be really surprised at, at how good these drum sounds. Yeah. These drums sound. Sorry. E- exactly. Drum and sound, it, sound. You know, they, they sound so good. Sometimes I just get discouraged from when I'm when I'm setting up my own kick, you know, in in a room that is okay, doesn't sound that great. Sometimes, you know, it just the 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 soft synths just sound so amazing that a lot of times I end up just kind of going over to that. Of course, not when Ryan's drumming, but you know, other times. Um, and that kind of leads us into the final part of the segue, which is combining real drums with soft synth drums which you know can be a a pain you know as far as lining them up and getting the timing down and that kind of thing and uh although there are a lot of tools out there that uh that a lot of people use one of my favorites is is a software called sound replacer uh from digidesign i believe you can get it in their uh, expansion tool kit Um, but this allows you to um, basically put it on a track that, that you have recorded, you know, um, into Pro Tools and, uh, you know, that you've recorded your live drums on. And it basically maps out the peaks and the transients from all your drum hits and allows you to um, replace those drum sounds with drum sounds from soft synths, such as uh, DigiDesign Strike or any other, you know, drum software that you're using. Or... You or, don't have to replace it. Exactly, which which is cool because what this thing does is it allows you to put um, the virtual drum track on a separate track and it allows you to still keep your original drum tone. So what I like to do is I like to, to keep my original drum tone and run the virtual drum track below it, but run it you know underneath. So I still get that, that nice rich drum tone from the soft synth as well as give you know have my original recording to give me that you know custom character you know mm-hmm. my sound so i have my cool own thing drum about the sound. software too is like you have enough room to play within the the user interface that you can actually tune the e drum sound to match the pitch of the real drum sound exactly so it i mean it's like it's a really good marriage of you know like natural organic good you know drums mm-hmm. and then really good sounding basically recorded in you know really killer rooms drum sounds yeah exactly and you know there's there's sound replacer i believe there's a couple other ones out there from uh, i think drumog and and uh, a few other ones but uh yeah something something to take a look at for sure you know and and uh, that will give you you know as close as i can get to you know the that drum sound in my head, you know what I mean? Right, that's yeah. that's what I'm going for, which is kind of hard to explain, kind of. But seems uh, like every time we we track something, though, we get closer. A- as a yeah. band, I mean, you yeah. know, for for that sound that I'm pretty sure you and I kind of feel the same on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you know, all the time, and we're still DIY. Practice makes perfect, you know. So. Yeah, I, I hope that uh, helps you out. And if you guys have any questions about uh, how to incorporate any of this uh, to get your the drum sound that's in your head, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at gearpulse at americanmusical.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, hit it up next time we're on the air. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This wraps up Episode 4.
We'll talk to you next time. See you next time. Stay classy, San Diego.